Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at MintMobile.com. Hello. Hi. Welcome back to All Millennials. A deep dive on topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. Third time is a charm. Working Indeed on intros. Is. Yes. It would only fit that I fuck it up in the 10th episode. But full circle in some ways. We started out so young and, you know, we're still we're still humble, even episode 10. <laughs> 10 episodes later, we're still your hosts. I'm Margo. I'm Emily. And here we are, here ready we to are. talk about MTV reality. Which, what a journey. Yeah, which we realized when we were like, yeah, we're going to just do one episode about all of the reality shows that MTV has ever done, including... Shit like Room Raiders, but also the MTV Diary series and Made. Do you guys remember Made? Holy fuck, I forgot about that show. What a great show. But this is going to be part one of a multi-part MTV reality TV show series. And this time we're going to focus on the celeb-centric stuff. Not all of it, because then that would have to reach into Cribs, which is truly its own episode. It really is. It really is. I wouldn't even know where to start frankly, other than, like, Masterpiece Gold Pool is, like, the first thing that jumps to mind. Yeah, I also remember watching the episode where One Hit Wonder Snow, like, singer of Informer, did an episode where he kept, like, bringing up, like, like your boom boom now. <laughs> this is almost as dark as the text message you sent me earlier this week about Rachel Lee Cook and her husband getting divorced. That was a very dark, dark text message. I think, oh, no, they didn't have the best headline, which is, she's all single. <laughs> Perfect. So perfect. But the celeb-centric shows that we're going to be talking about are, of course, Newlyweds, which set off a trend that will be felt forever. Yeah. Carmen and Dave, Till Death Do Us Part. <laughs> Hope you didn't forget about that. Because we didn't. Uh, iconic, The Ashley Simpson Show. Um, the Osbournes. Another, icon- another show that set the template for things like The Kardashians. So thanks a lot, Osbournes. And also, but also a great place where some really, truly shitty feuds had started. Oh my god. But also, no thanks for that Kelly Osbourne cover of Papa Don't Preach. And then finally, we'll end with my jaded take on Hogan Knows Best. With a sprinkling on Hilary Duff's two-part miniseries. Oh, right. H. Duff. Yeah. She was a brunette. It's very exciting Oh, Dark Times. Her and Ashley Simpson just going dark. Yep. Trying to change their... Disney pop images. Well, some of them. Serious ladies with <laughs> serious hair. Well, serious like emo side bang cuts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Ashley's? Oh, my God. Oh, I tried to cut my hair like Ashley Simpson's hair in high school, and it looked like I had a mullet because I cut the layers too short, but then I just had to roll with it. I was like, yeah, I tried. I did that on purpose. Like, there was a fine line between going from, like, layered, cute, like, alternative chick mid-2000s look and, like, going into, like, Florence Henderson Brady Bunch shag. For sure, yeah. This is what happens when you cut your own hair and then have your friend try and fix the haircut job that you did. It's just a big old mess. (laughs) Never ends well. Oh, yeah. But nothing is worse than <laughs> my friend's haircut that ended horribly, where we spent a whole winter calling her Dee Dee Ramone because oh, she got no. her haircut way too short and she wouldn't <laughs> stop wearing hoods in pictures. Like, she just had her hoodies up the entire time. She's like, no. stop looking at it. I know what it looks like. Oh, oh, no. You know, I fucked up my eyebrows. I also fucked up my own hair. We all go through it. We all go through it. But I can trace it back to patient zero, which is Ashley Simpson. She, I mean, she really walked so, so many suburban teenagers could run to the right. hair cuttery and try something So many out. disenfranchised teens <laughs> could go to Hot Topic and be like, ugh, whatever. <laughs> I'm getting my septum pierced and, like, my mom can't even say anything. <laughs> Time. Oh, God. So we're kicking this bitch off chronologically. Yes. Yeah, we are. Um, so a little backstory. We're not going to dive into Cribs too much, like we said, but I will say that there are a few iconic people who were showcased on Cribs. Mariah Carey. That's oh, my favorite episode. Oh, my God. So good. I never... Looking of... the bubble bath. <laughs> her obsession with Hello Kitty. Yes. Her Hello Kitty out... room. Genie room. Her... Yes, her genie room. That was what I was about to say. Oh, and then also her outdoor balcony, which is her, like, deck area that was also, like, a genie theme. There was pillows everywhere. Just a shitload of pillows. And this is around the time she was on TRL for glitter promotion, right? Yeah, where she showed up, like, pushing like, that cart. In a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, like, I mean, it was not, it's not sensitive to say this now, but I don't know what else to call it, but the wife beater? But it had, oh. like, the rainbow on it? Yeah, it the did. Yeah, era. it did. It did. So one of the other iconic uh, crib specials was uh, when they went to Ozzy Osbourne's house, and you got to meet for the very first time Jack Osbourne and Kelly Osbourne and Sharon Osbourne and their menagerie of dogs that are yapping everywhere and their uh, bleeped out language where it almost becomes, like, incoherent. You have no idea what's being said. Well, between Ozzy Osbourne's speech yes, pattern which and, and then i'm about. not talking about his accent we no. all know what i'm talking about yes uh between that and all of the fucks that were yeah. bleeped out i mean i thought it was kind of cool because they were cursing on tv and i feel like other than the sopranos that was the only other tv family in my life that just liberally used swears yeah no absolutely there was absolutely no filter except for the one mtv put on those words <laughs> It becomes such a wildly popular episode, though, that in after 2000, when they air that episode, uh, they decide, let's go after having a multi-episode series strictly on the Osborne family, hence the Osborne. So this becomes a 30-minute format reality show that chronicles the lives of Ozzy, Sharon, Kelly, who at the time was 16 when the show started, and Jack when he was 15. Don't forget their daughter, who's just a blurry face. Yes. Amy <laughs> Osborne, their couple's oldest child, uh, declined to be featured on the show out of worry that it would affect her singing career that she was trying to launch at the time. Smartest thing she ever did. Of course. Don't know about that singing career, though. Not, no. Um, as a result, though, you'll see, on if you ever look at the show again, you'll watch episodes, like, her face is blurred out, they never reference her, really, and it's just kind of bizarre, but... I just loved all... Sorry, I loved all of the panning shots to family photos with just her face blurred out. It just always made me laugh. It was just but so, you yeah. also got the distinct impression, because they would also show what felt like 
Bigfoot style footage of her going in and out of the back house. Yes. And they'd be like, oh, there goes Amy again. And she just like was blurred out from far away. So they dedicate their soundtrack album. So this show had a soundtrack album. They dedicated it to her. And I don't know if that was out of like shade. I was going to say, like, is that shade? I, it feels like shade. It feels like shade. Um, but basically... Is it because she didn't ever put out her own record? She later became a musician who did more kind of dance music. Um, she goes by her initials. I think it was A-R-O. Um, oh, okay. I think maybe pronounced Arrow. I don't know. But uh, that's like kind of... She's never become super duper famous. The sequel to REO Speedwagon. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> yes, that was a bad joke, but you laughed, so. I enjoyed it. I appreciated thank you, it. Thank you, Um, But basically, this show kind of chronicles their day-to-day lives as a family and just kind of began that genre of the celebs. They're just like us movement that really MTV. That's so funny because picked... I made that exact same note in my Ashley Simpson section oh, yeah? where I was like, stars, they're just, just like, like us. us. But you got to pause for the exclamation point to make it really feel like an Us Weekly Oh, yeah. Page. You're <laughs> so-and-so grocery shopping in Santa Monica. They're just like us. Or wait, I love what Who Weekly does where they try and guess what the caption is like. So chic. The, they buy bargains. <laughs> <laughs> they feed the meter. Like the weird cat. Whatever that copywriter does not get paid enough. Whoever um, they are. Any doodle. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no. It's all good. But anyway, doing basically like mundane tasks, but of course with the added edge of because everybody in this family is just like nonstop swearing, everything is like the fucking this and that. Um, it's just a like cacophony of bleeped out words. <laughs> um, I think I used that in a pretty good sentence. Um, and uh, the, anyway, the long story short, the, the show becomes a ratings juggernaut. Um, they, in fact, the premiere draws 6.6 million viewers. I know. Holy shit. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. Yeah. They never, like, MTV, it is the highest watched TV show in MTV's history. I think to this day. Well, I don't know if you can ever get those numbers ever again. No, no. I mean, like, this is 2002, so this is pre-everything. Right. You had to watch everything in real time. Wait, there was TiVo, I think. There, but even this still. This is, like, the sprinkling, like, the beginning of TiVo. Like, For sure. Uh, but, yeah, so, basically, they go through, they become a ratings juggernaut. They also chronicle some pretty big things. So, at one point, I'd forgotten about this, Ozzy Osbourne gets into an accident with an ATV that almost takes his life. Oh, right. Right? And so, like, now looking back, as he's told us that he was if intoxicated and or stoned during the entire filming of that uh, show. I think he was just on pills because he was in chronic pain. Right. So, among other things. But he was also, yeah, it was, it's kind of, so... They chronicled that, and they also chronicled the fact that um, Sharon actually had cancer and was going through cancer treatment on the show, um, and it was pretty bad. Uh, But this was, like, a huge rating juggernaut. Um, They became a household name, and they were featured on commercials, promotions. They did uh, Super Bowl commercials for Pepsi Lime or Pepsi Twist, (laughs) which was one of the many soft drinks Pepsi came out with in the early 2000s. I remember Pepsi Twist because I like anything with a little twist of lime or lemon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Jack and Kelly had like lime and lemon wedges in their mouths. Yeah. Fucking Kelly. (laughs) Fucking Kelly. Well, because of the show, though, (laughs) she also has a 
somewhat successful recording career. Uh, what, I would what, beg to differ, though, on that, actually. I don't know if it... I mean, it was popular in the sense that MTV played a lot of her music. Yes. Or played her one song. I really cannot think of another song so, that she had. Yeah, so but she... But furthermore, sorry, she just was also a correspondent on Fashion Police. That, to me, was her peak of success. Yes. But my favorite moment of her being a part of Fashion Police was when... R.I.P. Joan Rivers, when she was still alive, they used to put Kelly in the skybox, oh, which yeah. was just above the red carpet and didn't interview anybody. So a friend of mine and I used to say, get her in the skybox whenever we wanted somebody away from us. <laughs> just put her in the skybox. <laughs> and I will always think of Kelly Osborne. Oh, Kelly. Yeah, so she, I, I take back what I said, not a very successful recording career, a, a somewhat moderately successful MTV career. Was her album just covers, or did she just have the single Papa Don't Preach? I really no. don't remember. So, I do so remember that cover, yeah. unfortunately. Okay, so it starts out that they released that Osborne soundtrack. It's called the Osborne Family Album. Okay. And it features that cover of Madonna's Papa Don't Preach, which uh, the music video is Kelly at a vintage store in L.A., which is, like, so peak, you know, 2003. Like, I'm an alternative girl. I shop at vintage stores. Yeah, like and she had hair. Davey Havoc eyeliner yeah. and, like, a side suit. I side suit, like, pink hair. Peak 2003 emo kid yeah. from the mall. She even, I think, at one point dated a guy from the used, if I don't, if I remember that correctly. I think you're right, and I do believe that their relationship was a part of the show at some point. It was, and later he came out and basically said he dated her just to get more exposure for the band, which I feel really bad about that for her, but on the other hand, Kelly was not a an easy human to get along with. <laughs> so she releases the out that soundtrack album comes out. Um, Papa don't preaches on it. And then later she releases an album. Uh, she gets signed to Epic records and releases an album called shut up. Right. I remember that. That has a song called shut up, that, which is not a cover. Okay. So, yes. This is coming back to yeah, me now. <laughs> so she wrote most of the songs. Um, it was not successful so much so that after 2003 Epic records dropped her re-released the album and titled it Changes and included a duet track of her and Ozzy singing a cover of the Black Sabbath song Changes, which became a hit, I think, in the UK. It was, like, one of Ozzy's first number one hits or something crazy like that. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Who knew? I did not Cer until tonight. Yeah, certainly not I. <laughs> certainly not I until very recently. Um, so that was... Didn't she also have a thing with Madonna's old clothing line, Material Girl? Because I feel like I remember that being a tie-in with her album, but because I didn't look it up ahead of time, I don't have any hard facts to she give you. Did, she did have a few fashion line collaborations. I can't remember any off the top of my head, and I okay. probably should have put that down. But um, at the time, this was she kind of got a bunch of record deal like fashion collaboration she she got to do a lot of things that she would have otherwise never done had the show never aired but i do appreciate her saying that after the fact this release that this album was released she did say quote my like my record label thought oh she's really cool she's in the osbournes we want to sign her and make money off of her but the album was crap i felt like just another Lindsay lohan ashley simpson avril lavigne and that's just not who i am at all end quote interesting yes yeah, but it this show because it was such a ratings juggernaut, it does start that entire genre of reality TV that modeled the feel of the real world, featuring celebrities, kind of like what we talked about earlier. The one caveat here is that there isn't the separate interview, confession style, whatever you want to call right. it, 
this is something that's pretty distinct on a lot of those MTV reality celeb reality shows um, where you may have a slight voiceover that gives you a description, but there isn't going to be that separate interview that's spliced in between scenes. They also would interview some of the family members separately, but yeah, it just didn't look like Kardashians or Real Housewives or anything like that. Um, Over the years, I think this show, for being so popular as it was back then, over time, like, you kind of figure, you realize, like, certain things, like, Ozzy Osbourne was, in fact, intoxicated the whole time because he was addicted to painkillers. Sure, I, I feel like everybody had their suspicions and it was made fun of in a certain way, but every, I guess, like, all truth, or all comedy, there is a bit of truth to it. Right, and, and of course, Jack and Kelly both had their own addictions as well. They right. both did stints in rehab. Um, Jack would often, and, like, you know, got to appear on a bunch of TV shows as a result of the popularity of the show, and he always played, like, this party-hard kid. Like, in New York Minute, in the Olsen Twins episode, we talk about mm-hmm. that. Um, he's also show- on Dawson's Creek, where he played Busy Phillips, one of Busy Phillips' old friends on the show. Um, so, anyway, both of them did a few stints in rehab. Um, they both seem to be doing much better now. Sharon Osbourne, meanwhile, um, obviously became a pre- television presenter. She tried to do the solo talk show thing a few times. Didn't really work out. She's now been on the talk the longest on the whole show, and she's still on it to this day. Which is a better version of The View. It really is. Um, and then, meanwhile, they, Ozzy and Sharon, separated temporarily because it came out that he was having an affair with his hairdresser. There we go. I was like, is it the masseuse? A hairdresser. Got um, it. But they reconciled over time, and they're back together. Um, and uh, in terms of Jack and Kelly, Kelly did, fa- as you said, did Fashion Police from 2010 to 2015. She left because um, allegedly Juliana Rancic had made some racist comments or something like that. Kelly also made some comments. I was gonna say, too. I'm like, she also. I feel like they all made some off-color comments. Yes, yes. That so, didn't go over very well. A little bit of pot calling kettle black. There. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a very convenient excuse for her to have. Exactly. Um, and Jack Osborne, meanwhile, has been doing uh, several reality shows um, since he's. Didn't spe- doesn't he have one with Ozzy where they travel? Yeah. So now they have the show together. So he did one called Adrenaline Junkie after he got sober, uh-huh. um, where he was doing things like climbing. El Capitan and like crazy stuff like that. Right. Um, and then he um, he got married, had kids. He actually just recently separated from his wife like two months ago. Uh, but he and Ozzy have a show now called Ozzy and Jack. It's called, hold on, Ozzy and Jack's Wor- World Detour. And it's on the History Channel. And they basically did a road trip the first season across America where they started in the South, went all the way up to Alaska, and they just go places. And they've been on for three seasons, so much so that season three, Kelly joins them. So she that's what she's doing now, in addition to being a judge on Australia's Got Talent. Huh. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing here that I want to note is the real estate situation. So the, the, the big thing with these shows is that they all had these really iconic houses, and they actually changed hands a few times. This one's interesting because after the Osbournes sold the house in, like, 2008, 2009... Christina Aguilera bought the house. Christina Aguilera and Kelly had a really famous feud for many years because, like, Kelly made fun of her on uh, the Osbournes for the way she sang, and then uh, I think Christina called her fat, and then Kelly said other things back and forth. Even on Fashion Police, they, like, made comments about each other, which which is crazy. So that's, that's a pretty long, it's like a 15-year-long feud. Well, apparently Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan are still feuding, so anything is possible anything in 2019. Is possible. <laughs> but what the final thing that's interesting in this real estate thing is that 
um, Jessica Simpson eventually bought this house. Um, oh, yeah. Did you find out if she still lives there now? So I think she owns it. Um, I think she still lives there. I did not see anything about... I'll, I'll have to check, and I'll, I'll make a note later if that if I do find out that that's no longer the case. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So I think the biggest thing for me with the Osbournes is just that really sets the precedent for what becomes this, like, crazy boom of MTV celeb reality shows uh, around the two, early 2000s, um, especially ones around couples. Like, for example, Dave and Carmen. And I think in just, like... The Osbournes, they sort of test piloted yes. how well they would do. Right. I think that the smartest thing MTV did was have these staple shows or even these one-offs every once in a while where they would test to see in a discreet way if anybody gave a shit about this television. If we had to watch these people for a sustained amount of time, yeah. would this work? Exactly. And so we have... It, they sort of go hand in hand, so that's kind of how I've positioned them. But Carmen and Dave and MTV Love Story eventually will lead into Till Death Do Us Part, colon, Carmen and Dave. But Dave Navarro of Jane's Addiction, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and most importantly, playing guitar on You Oughta Know. What? Yes, I know. <laughs> I found that out today. I was today years old when I found that out, which shocked me and also delighted me because that's still a great song. Um, and Carmen Electra, nay... Tara Lee Patrick of Prince, Baywatch, and Singled Out fame started dating in 2000. They got engaged in the summer of the next year, which is about the time that they appeared on a 20-minute one-off show that IMDb curiously lists as a TV movie called Carmen and Dave, an MTV love story. It covered all the basics, how they met, what their first date was, which was they went to go see Requiem for a fucking dream, which <laughs> I feel like when he said that, when I rewatched the episode on YouTube, I just screamed, of course you did! Of course you took her to go see Requiem for a Dream because you're that, cool and edgy. Does that not set the tone for what your, uh, your your relationship, marriage, and later divorce will end up looking like? I could not have rolled my eyes harder because as somebody who majored in film, it's like, yeah, I've been on this date. And that date didn't go well. No. But it did for these lovebirds. They talked about their engagement story, which was whatever. He proposed to her in a hotel room by getting her to scroll through her digital camera's file or whatever and there was a picture of the ring and then she looked over and he was holding the ring and then they got engaged that's so 2002 it truly is or 2001 oh they got married God. they got engaged in august of 2001 um and it also covered them moving in together we're also subjected to an ear-shattering jam session with carmen electra on the drums and we also get to see a bit of Dave's 34th birthday party, which another thing that kind of surprised me about their relationship was they didn't have a giant age gap. He's only five years older than her. And maybe it's my bias, but because he's a guitarist from pretty famous rock bands, I'd assume that he'd probably try and date somebody significantly younger yeah. than him, even in his 30s. So I feel like that kind of contributed to the charm of their relationship was you were really rooting for them. They just seemed to really fit. And they do have a chemistry, which is clear in this weird 20-minute show, which honestly is probably one of the uglier-looking shows. Not them, but, like, the way it's produced. Like, the interstitials are really... It feels like it was made in 15 minutes, for sure. It could have been. It truly could have been. It was just very, like, I just learned how to use Final Cut Pro. And the, the fade-ins, they might as well just had, like, a star wipe at one point. That's how cornball it was. But... <laughs> After Love Story, MTV approached them about filming a series about their wedding, and thus Till Death was born. Since they had already been engaged for about a year and a half or so at this point, and it kept 
putting it off, they both kind of thought it would be a good idea to do this. It might push them to finally get married and so yeah. put a date on everything. So as it was conceived as a very true to the term limited series, this show was about hot people in love, but served sort of as counter-programming to newlyweds because, you know, she was in Playboy and he had a heroin problem. You know, they're different. Not only with stars, but also it only followed just their journey to the altar. It didn't really kind of cover too much else. It was just sort of the, let's say, like six-month period leading up to their wedding. Right. The episode that stands out the most for me, because I did watch this when it was currently airing, is what turned out to be when I looked when I started doing a little bit of research was the first episode, which is they take peak goth pictures for their wedding invites where they pose naked together in a morgue on morgue slabs. Of course they do. To be fair, it was taken by David LaChapelle. So Uh. it's sort of artsy, but till death was mostly centered on Carmen making a bunch of wedding decisions while Dave was on tour with Jane's addiction Uh, They had a joint bachelorette bachelor party in Vegas, which, gross, I don't like joint bachelor bachelorette parties. No. Uh, I mean, Katie and Tom did it on Vanderpump Rules to disastrous results. I think (laughs) theirs was a lot more tame. He just kind of, well, this kind of leads into my next point, but I think Dave Navarro just ends up chain smoking the whole time. So another subplot of Till Death was her trying to get him to quit smoking unsuccessfully. He gets a physical to make sure that he's in good health. They call each other bird and mouse. He's bird. She's mouse. Uh, They have parrots as part of their ceremony, and they interrupt them several times as they're exchanging vows. And then Dave's band at the time, Camp Freddy. I've never fucking heard of them. Even even as I was watching, I was like, I don't... I've never heard this music before. Uh, They played the reception, and the last shot of the show was them driving off into their future, which apparently was divorced two years later. And that was kind of the whole thing. I feel like it was sort of unmemorable it didn't really change the game even though it was incredibly successful at the time and their dvds afterwards were very successful too and they sold a lot of copies for one reason or another but the whole thing till death just ran seven episodes it aired from march or i'm sorry it ran from january to march of 2004 they got married in november 2003 and they divorced two years later because of hectic schedules and didn't blame the MTV curse at all for why they split up. Which, you kind of get that sense when you watched Till Death because she just seemed, she didn't even seem mad, she just seemed saddened that he was traveling all the time and right after Till Death, I believe Dave Navarro put out a book and then he was also the host of that Making a Band show for NBC, but they were looking for the In Excess lead singer. Yeah, I remember that. I think Rockstar. Rockstar In Excess. In excess, Colon, in, in excess. excess. So, and then they also ended up doing a second season after that. And so I think right. he was traveling a lot and between bands and he has a pretty prolific career as like a session guitarist as yeah. well. Like, and also played, I mean, this isn't great to say now, but he played, um, lead guitar on like black and white for like some Michael Jackson special. He's like done some Janet Jackson music. So he is really busy. Right. But it seems like they divorced and are in pretty good terms. I will get to that later. But some assorted facts and musings that I came along because, I mean, it was pretty thin. It was like, they got together, they had good chemistry, they're really hot, it didn't really quite work out, it didn't really seem like anybody cheated on each other. Right. And it just, sometimes it's not meant to be, which is not really a great excuse and people don't love that, but... 
that's that's sort of the vibe that I got from them. And at the time, I totally forgot about this, but I remember Dave Navarro used to have a pretty popular blog where he would give updates on his life and updates on them and stuff. And he published a letter about how sad he was, but how it just was necessary that they broke up. And they both sort of had similar statements to the press about why they split. Anyway, so they didn't have a gross age difference. I already covered that. They were both married before. Carmen, obviously, to Dennis Rodman. Oh, yeah. And Dave was married twice. One of them was a pagan ceremony. You don't know these women, so that's the only reason why I'm not bringing them up. The pagan ceremony, I was like, oh, again, of course. Of fucking course, Dave Navarro. They also shared a common loss. Dave's mom was murdered by her ex-boyfriend in 1983 and wasn't apprehended until 1991 when someone called in a tip after seeing his mugshot on America's Most Wanted. Whoa. Yeah, and Carmen's mom passed away from brain cancer and then quickly followed by her sister a couple months later, she said she had a massive heart attack and passed away. Oh, my God. And then that led directly into Carmen having that shotgun wedding. Well, not shotgun because she wasn't pregnant, but that random wedding with Dennis Rodman because she was just... Yeah. Depressed and in a dark place. Carmen, most recently, or more recently, uh, was hosting Exile, which was a dating show on WeTV that my friend was on, and that's where Waboo technically got his reality show start. A couple of years ago, they started rumors that they're going to rekindle their romance because they ran into each other at a hotel and took a photo and put it on Instagram. And so everybody's like, oh my god, are you guys back together? But... Nope, they're not back together. And that is Carmen and Dave, Till Death Do Us Part, the hot goth version and definitely, like, way more sexy version of Newlyweds. Even though I'm pretty sure, like, Nick and Jessica did have, like, sexy scenes, but they were way more overtly Christian. Yeah. And also, Jessica was, like, 20. So And Carmen Electra was, like, 31, at least, when she got married. So it felt a lot less creepy. There's no Joe Simpson in this scenario either, no. which definitely makes it not as creepy. Yeah, so so fun fact to tie this over, other than airing around the same time, Nick Lachey and uh, Carmen Electra went to the High school together. High school. In Cincinnati. Yeah. Well, Nick Lachey also is the voice of public transportation in Cincinnati. I'm not surprised. He is, like, the proudest Cincinnati-ian, if you will. Cincinnati? Cincinnati-ite. He... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, rewatching Newlyweds today, uh, was wearing Bengal shit all the time, was wearing University of Cincinnati, I think they're the Bearcat stuff. Like, he was just wearing all sorts of Cincinnati things at all times. Cincinnati Reds gear, like, all the time. Cincinnati gear is to Nick Lachey what Volcom hats were to Ashley Simpson. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, so meanwhile, on the other side of the high school, a bit more, like, cheerleader, prom king romance. Newlyweds, Nick and Jessica premiered in 2003. In 2003. Um, it was, you're not going to believe this, um, Newlyweds was actually a show that they initially, MTV, wanted to do back in the early, mid-90s. Can you guess the couple that they were going to chronicle? Bobby and Whitney? No, but very similar. Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Ooh! Presley. Yes, I know. Oh, I was going to text they you. I did that. I know. I was going to text you, and I was like, I cannot let her know until we film this. Oh, the darkest timeline would have been if they actually did it, but uh, I would have been very curious. I, so they backed out. Fuck. <laughs> oh, they backed out, of course. Of course. So it was shelved until 2002, and Joe Simpson, of course, kind of pitched it. And um, Jessica has said that it was supposed to kind of be this promotional tie-in to her new album, and this was their third album, In This Skin. 
So you have to remember, obviously, Nick and Jessica were pretty successful, but they were always kind of like the bronze medals to their genre. Like, 98 Degrees was Nick Lachey's band. He was always, they were like the bronze medal band to, like, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. Oh, for sure. And then... And I feel like that is a very generous term. Very generous, based on the tour schedule we just read about (laughs) before filming this. Emily Uh, is apparently psychic because they do 98 Degrees... They have a show coming up in Reno, or they had a show in Reno. Which I predicted in our boy bands episode that they would have a Reno residency. Check the tape. There we go. Here with the receipts. Um, And then Jessica Simpson, meanwhile, when it comes to all the blondes, she was kind of the bronze medal to, like, Britney and Christina. And so Jessica Simpson needs to have a hit because her last album was not great. Didn't do very well. So she releases this album. The lead single, which did not do well, is called The Sweetest Sin, which was about losing her virginity. Oh, I remember that one. Yes. I had th- forgotten about it, and sadly, I now know and remember it, and I hate myself for it. It's just her and Nick Lachey rolling around in a bed, right? Right. Or something like that? Yeah. I just remember it's just so much fake tanner. Uh, her, yes. obviously. Her. Yes, yes. So, anyway, so that um, they they, re- they released the show to be like, maybe this will help boost sales, and initially it doesn't, but then the show becomes this huge hit. And they re-release the album with a couple of covers, and it becomes a big hit. It becomes Jessica Simpson's biggest album. I think she really, she's like, since she ends up selling like four million copies, which for Jessica Simpson's pretty good. Um, and basically chronicles their life together as a married couple. So Nick and Jessica, if you don't remember, they got married when Jessica was like twenty-one, and Nick Lachey was twenty-eight because they are seven years apart. So we talk about age differences. This. In addition to many other reasons why they got divorced eventually, I think this is also probably the number one reason. Well, I think something that the Simpson girls have in common, Jessica and Ashley, is that they had never lived alone. Like, they always had people do things for them. and this comes up a lot on the show, and um, a producer that they interviewed, like, a couple of years ago, she talks about this. So, as you remember on the show, there were, you know, it was always kind of like Jessica learning about life, really, because she had never experienced it. Yeah, I would say that another title for the show was Life Hits Jessica in the Face. Right. Uh, Infamous, of course, the Chicken of the Sea tuna, which happens in the first episode. Sure, but there's so much more. I know, there is. There's so much that she doesn't know. No, so she, like, I mean, and I was just re-watching this, like, not knowing how to do little things, like... Just normal, mundane, like, laundry, just chores that you kind of learn as you grow up. I feel like, wasn't there a taking up a trash episode? Or, like, yes. she didn't know to put a trash bag in the trash can? Yes. Yeah, I mean, there were all these things. And then, meanwhile, Nick Lachey, basically, all of the episodes have him, while she's doing these things, Nick Lachey and his brother are basically, like, building shit, fixing shit. Like, that's all they do their entire, the entire show. It's Nick and Drew Lachey fixing shit. They are the original property brothers. Uh, they really are, and I I hope that they one day get their own show. <laughs> um, they so the show becomes a huge hit. Um, that song with you with the music video where she's doing all the households. I can lay my head down. <laughs> Very breathy. So much <laughs> breath. Her, I will. I mean, it's been brought back to my attention. Jessica and Ashley's cover of a little drummer boy. Just the chorus, just. It's so breathy. I don't even know how you can sing that way and then still have a voice after. So in the midst of them becoming a household name, they also had a second show, which was a variety hour. Basically, Nick and Jessica became our Sonny and Cher. Like, they had this variety show hour. 
Um, and they had one very notable performance, which Bobby Finger tweeted about the other day, <laughs> where Jessica and Jewel duetted on Who Will Save Your Soul. And the liberties that are taken with how they phrase things and sing things in this in this duet are so haunting. <laughs> I think I'll have to show it to you after we take, finish recording this episode. Right, I'll show you the little German boy clip, oh, too. It's it's something. And then we can cap it all off with her cover of Take My Breath Away. Oh. Take my breath away. Literally. Literally. I remember when I she, can't breathe, apparently. The episode when she and Nick recorded that um, duet, he starts to do, like, a spoken interlude <laughs> at the beginning, and she's like, baby, you sound like a Backstreet Boy. Oh, my God. She's cracking up and he's like so hurt. I'm just so happy she found her thing, which is apparently shoes. Yes, and so this is what happens because they become household names and they're on every single commercial. Jessica starts her foray into the clothing, makeup, shoes, accessories, what have you world. Um, edible makeup, baby. Edible desserts by Je- desserts by Jessica Simpson, which I still remember buying the lip gloss at Sephora and I'm pretty sure I had like a body shimmer thing that was like whipped or whatever. I had one of the whipped products. My friend had the lotion. Yeah. I remember that there was a day at Sephora where we bought a whole bunch of it, we went back to our place, put it on, and then ate too much of it and both got sick. Yeah, <laughs> just like she did in that one episode where she's doing a photo shoot and <laughs> she just keeps eating it. We just didn't know. We, it was one of those things where you see it and you're like, oh, I wonder if that's true. And then you do it and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's like the guy who <laughs> I tries regret to, everything. It's like the guy in Vice who tried to get drunk off kombucha and just got so sick from... <laughs> Oh, my All God. the yeast. That's disgusting. <laughs> so, uh, in addition to this, like, so she does the desserts line. She also goes, begins that foray into the clothing and shoes. And she, it just becomes huge. Like, she ends up selling a bunch of stuff. Meanwhile, Nick Lachey is still just the dude from 98 Degrees. And so, very clearly, like, while they're famous as a couple, Jessica becomes, like, the house star. Woman. She gets all these acting gigs. She's in that really terrible Dukes of Hazard movie. I remember that. Which I had forgotten about, but now remember. And she had that cover of, These boots are made for walking. These boots are made for walking. <laughs> Our Jessica Simpson impressions are on key tonight. I'm loving it. But anyway, so uh, over time, unfortunately, there are three seasons, but it was very clear, according to the Unfortunately, inter- there are three seasons. <laughs> three too many. <laughs> three too many. Um, yeah. There is... I think we, we, we overstayed our welcome, for sure, because there was a point, I think in the third season, that you could tell that they were going to split up, and then it oh, was yeah. just watching him be annoyed with Jessica. It, it very clearly goes from, like, amusement to annoyance, and you can feel that point. And then resentment. Because yes. I feel like towards the Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like, what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like, what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And that was, oh, he yeah. was not putting up with her shit anymore. So, so there was this great interview in Complex uh, that Sue Kalinske, one of the producers, was interviewed and they talked to her about it. She came from the Osbournes. So she had been a producer on the Osbournes. She was given the option to either do this show or Rich Girls with Allie Hilfiger. Oh, I know all about Rich Girls. I was a guest on a different podcast that they only focus on shows that had one season and i picked that show and so i went all the way in on rich girls i loved that show so me too me too so anyway so she decides to go for newlyweds she said it was really tough to film that final season because of all the crazy tension in the marriage and based on this interview she was saying that they were obviously two very different people first of all they're seven years apart so like you get married and like he was clearly on the they celebrate his 30th birthday on the show Remember, she jumps out of the cake and does, like, happy birthday, happy birthday. <laughs> we should, well, actually, she'd be great at that because it's just breathing out. She doesn't really she also, she also bought him a $55,000 watch, uh, diamond-encrusted match. So that's another thing is so they had the age difference. He was clearly ready to start having making a family happen. Well, and they her, obviously only got married so that they could have sex. Totally. He's already had sex. She was still a virgin. Right. Her dad... Well, the two of yeah. them could have sex together. So, according to the producer, as you can probably imagine, Joe Simpson had a lot of say in this show, so much so that he became an executive producer eventually. Well, didn't Nick Lachey later say that a, another facet of his relationship splitting up was because Joe's involvement in their relationship yeah. all of the so, time. So, his parents, her parents, Joe and Tina, were always around, especially Joe, and it was just like very creepy and like just he apparently determined what made it made the cut for the show and what didn't and it got to the point where it was just I think it really bothered both the production crew and Nick Lachey of course so the one thing they really had in common was music and he came from a very blue collar family hence why he and his brother are always fixing shit she had never done anything as we've talked about which is why this was fascinating to watch like a 20 something learn how to do things we all ultimately learned how to do when we were 12 and I heard and eventually he became an executive producer he had a large say in what was included in the show and what wasn't. And so after the final show's episode, I think it was in March, they split up six months later. She goes on to say they didn't sign a prenup. She goes on to say in an interview for CNBC a couple years ago that that marriage was the largest financial mistake she ever made in her life. She, because of no prenup, had to pay him $12 million. Shit, I didn't realize that was how much money yes. he walked away with. He walked away with, with, with okay also, money. Also, how did Papa Joe let that slip through the cracks? Papa Joe was just concerned about her double D breasts, which he talked about in all every goddamn interview. It was so creepy. So if you guys don't remember, Joe uh, Papa Joe is Jessica Simpson's dad, who is a pastor. I think he was a pastor youth minister type. Mm-hmm. Um, always talked about her saving herself for marriage, which I... Uh, kind of read that Tommy Mottola also played into that, like her producer. He kind of wanted her to be like the the conservative alternative to Britney and Christina. And so that's where she also came in announcing that she would remain a virgin until marriage. Right, but there was like a whole swath of people that did that for a while. Oh, for sure. I think she did have a promise ring or like a purity ring or whatever. She definitely did. She did the whole shebang. And Papa Joe comes up Obviously, in the Ashley Simpson show, yeah, but he's not as involved like he is here. No, but his 
essentially him favoring Jessica will come up at some point. Right. And so it's um it's interesting cuz nowadays I'm he he's never come out by the way, but he's been spotted with many men because okay. Joe, Joe and Tina are no longer together. No, they divorced at some like a couple of years ago, maybe yeah. 5 8 or so years ago, but Joe Simpson was in a very recent episode of Vanderpump Rules, not to always make it about Vanderpump Rules. I know I'm a fan. I don't yeah. mean to always I don't mean that all roads need to lead back here, but He's apparently a photographer now? He is. I just checked out his Instagram account today. So Tom Sandoval goes to his house, and this was like a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was about a year ago. Tom Sandoval goes to his house for a photo shoot, and he's there. He opens the door. He's shirtless in a bathrobe, and like greets Sandoval, and he's like, yeah, just like take off your clothes, and like makes a lot of inappropriate jokes, and there's a a young man, a houseboy, hanging about that all of us just kind of assumed was his boyfriend. Anyway, he did not get any less creepy over time is no. all I'm trying to say. Him no. answering the door shirtless with a bathrobe, like an open bathrobe on. I was like, I don't, just cover it up, bud. I don't, what are we doing? No. But I will tell you this, he does seem a lot happier. He does. <laughs> he shows up on Ashley Simpson's new show, too, because he, I think, just had a bout with cancer. Oh, no. Yeah, but he was wearing some clothes where it was like, oh, okay. Well, I do have a note about this later, but Ashley and Evan, a fucking snooze fest. Yeah, really, really just... Could not make it through a episode. So, so boring. Anyway. But anyway, long story short, with Jessica and Nick, obviously they split up. I mean, the age difference was big. Joe Simpson's involvement was big. Today, they seem to be doing very well for themselves because, you know, mere years later, Nick Lachey literally meets his current wife, Vanessa Manillo, now Lachey, former MTV VJ, on the set of a music video for that song, What's Left of Me, which he wrote in response to his divorce. Huh. So they end up getting How married. How poetic. How poetic, indeed. They end up getting married. They have a couple kids now. He's a host on a lot of lesser shows, one of which the sing-off yours truly auditioned with, with her acapella group oh, almost you did? a decade ago. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, we did not make it, but <laughs> I was so looking forward to meeting Nick Lachey. And she is still doing great with her empire. In fact, she's estimated to be worth over $150 million. She married a former NFL quarterback, Eric Johnson, and just gave birth to her third kid a couple of months ago. Yep. I mean, and she broke a toilet. She broke a toilet. She's, ultimately, they seem to be happy for one another. They totally fine. Yeah. And Nick Lachey like, is a catchphrase, thanks to One Tree Hill. Shut up, Nick Lachey. <laughs> Amazing. The person, notable owner of their house, after they sold their house, uh, was Justin Burfield, a.k.a. Reese from Malcolm in the Middle. Um, and then he sold it in 2009 for what looked to be a lot less money because it's Well, a it was just like recession. a Calabasas McMansion. It really, It was yeah. truly not special at all. No. Those no. things got stamped out very quickly. Very quickly. So... Anyway, shout out to Reese. We both thought the, you were really hot. Yeah, the hot brother from Malcolm in the so Middle. So hot. Not the Scientologist. <laughs> Notice the distinction. <laughs> so that's Newlyweds. Okay. Well, that's great because I'm glad that you started with Newlyweds because Newlyweds was the lead-in for the Ashley Simpson show for both seasons. Yes. And the Ashley Simpson show ran for two seasons only from 2004 2005, plus a 21st birthday special called Ashley Simpson colon live and legal, which gross. <laughs> I don't know why that bugs me this so much. This is a continuous theme on our episodes, though. People were fucking obsessed with people turning 18 or, or 21. 21. Yeah, I really don't understand that. I, the Olsen Twins 18 countdown clock will truly haunt me for the rest of my days. Mm. Any hoodle. 
Even though Ashley had appeared on Newlyweds, she wasn't super interested in having her own reality show, but eventually was talked into it by her dadager, Joe. Jessica's got double Ds, and you just can't hide those suckers, Simpson. Oh my god, (laughs) I still remember that quote. Can't get it out of my brain. Nope. Initially, she only had agreed to one season, as long as it focused on her music career, and its first season was just all about her recording her debut album called Autobiography. She was signed to Geffen, and a lot of the drama from this first season comes from the push and pull from the label wanting to have her go like a more traditional pop route and the label often takes the human form of her rep named Jordan Schur so a lot of the show is like well Jordan like this like what does Jordan think and winning Jordan's approval on things is a huge theme throughout all the episodes because he's the one that tells her that she could do nicer like more pop punk songs instead and she doesn't feel like that's her identity and she wants to get out of that but mostly she wants to get out of the shadow, wink, wink, of her sister Jessica. <laughs> so, Newlyweds, she didn't want to go like the Newlyweds route at first, but like you said, it ended up being a tie-in to Autobiography, and right. Autobiography was crazy successful, mostly because of the show. So, the Ashley Simpson show premiered in the summer, and it was a half-hour format, but really 22 minutes in the day of the life of Ashley Simpson, which may not sound all that exciting, but I assure you, it is every bit of stars. They're just like us. Really? Uh-huh. Want to know how? So Ashley, in the very first episode, is taught by her mother, Tina, who makes frequent appearances on this season, more so than Joe. Teaches her how to clean her apartment. Quite literally. Teaches her how to take out the trash and how to sort laundry and all of that really exciting stuff. And then she writes a song with a drummer of Sugar Ray on the side of a hill. <laughs> and then the whole thing closes out with an anticlimactic breakup with her boyfriend at the time, actor Josh Henderson. Yes. I forgot about that. Yeah, and also that song, Unreachable, which I don't believe was a single, but is probably one of my favorite songs off of Autobiography, is about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But all of this happens, but I think the most iconic scene, and I feel like you'll agree with me, is <laughs> when we find out that Ashley Simpson likes to use the radio's scan function as some sort of magic eight ball. Whenever she has, like, an existential question for the universe, for example, what's Josh thinking? She says it out loud, and then she hits scan on the radio, and the very first song that she comes across, and she hits stop, is the answer to her question. So the answer to the question, what is Josh thinking about, is the Basement basement Jack's song, Where's Your Head At? Take that for whatever you will. <laughs> she thinks it's very deep. So the whole show is very much like this, and that's why... And it, it's... A lot of it is, like... Here's this very relatable 19-year-old, especially to me and my friend, Brie, who, like, really loved this show, loved Autobiography. I think just a month ago, Brie listened to the album and was texting me about it. She's like, this song is still really good. Did you know that? And a lot of Autobiography reminds me of driving around in her 88 Toyota Camry as seniors in high school and singing Pieces of Me and all the other faux angsty songs that she had. But anyway, so she was very relatable in the sense that she would do, like, stars are just like us things, like, go to a ballet class but not make it through because she had the giggles. Or, and then it was, like, juxtaposed with her writing songs and finding producers and arguing with her label about what the sound should be. Mm-hmm. Other, st- other season one standout moments, Jessica showing up to one of Ashley's performances one day after getting laser eye surgery and just had these, like, giant goggles on. This was also featured on Newlyweds. Yeah, she and Casey, her assistant, got 
laser eye surgery together. Wife of Donald Faison. <laughs> which is crazy. Yep. She reveals her relationship with quote unquote dorky younger brother Ryan Cabrera when she appears in his music video for On the Way Down and they call a cut on their closing scene where they kiss and they just keep kissing because surprise they're dating whatever. <sighs> also I hate having to revisit the show only because I have to remember that Ryan Cabrera exists. And got so many girls during yes. that period of time. Yes, Ashley Simpson, Audrina Partridge, Hilary Duff. Wait, no, who did Avril Lavigne. Avril Lavigne. They were roommates, and then they became lovers. Well, that's sort of what happened with Ashley Simpson because he was living with her family for like a year and a half, and that's what she describes him as like a dorky younger brother. Who does that? Who decides? Oh, it's a great idea for us to let this like teenage guy this frosted tip dude who of course i feel like ryan cabrera is the type of dude who without provocation will bust out a fucking acoustic guitar and be like here's a little ditty wonder yeah or hey there delilah (laughs) i mean i just feel like that's his whole shtick and that's why i despise him Mm. anywho another standout is ashley dyeing her hair dark and shooting a commercial for pizza hut with jessica where she gets really pissed off because they're making jessica like the hot sexy one and she's like what am i just like a fucking ogre a pizza ogre (laughs) but the whole reason for the season of the ashley simpson show is her record autobiography which she wrote and produced with some real heavy hitters like john shanks who worked with jill crow michelle branch and alanis morissette and cara i'm totally gonna fuck up her name cara dugardi which kelly clarkson's writer producer that have any kelly clarkson hit that you love she was worked on it she later became a judge on american idol Right. Kara also co-wrote and produced Pieces of Me, which is the lead single off of Autobiography. And working on Pieces of Me with Kara is the beginning of Ashley's vocal issues, which will later get diagnosed in episode five as acid reflux and a deviated septum. Oh, my God. Yeah. Due to the crazy popularity of season one, they immediately greenlit a second season, even though Ashley was on record at some point saying that having cameras follow you all the time like Jessica is not natural and she wouldn't want to do it but I believe I I think that because her album ended up going to number one and everybody points to the show as the huge reason as to why because people got to know her she differentiated herself from her sister and you also just sort of like fell in love with her personality especially her target demo which was Girls from 13 to 21, I'm sure. She was a part of that crop of, like, here's an alternative chick that if you aren't into the blondes on MTV right now, here's someone who can, like, fit your personality type of thing. Exactly. Ashley Simpson's sound, I equate it to angry white girl, like, like rock. I'm saying this is someone, again, who loved her music and bought autobiography from the warehouse around the corner from my best friend's house. She is, as I wrote down when I was re-listening... Or I was listening again to Autobiography a couple of days ago. She's Diet Courtney Love or Hardcore Mandy Moore. <laughs> Her track Surrender has an identical guitar riff to Hole's Celebrity Skin. And that's because, again, Autobiography is in part produced by John Shanks. So it does debut at number one on Billboard charts in July of 2004. Which then spurns the second season. But before we get into the second season, let's do some standout tracks from Autobiography. The show's theme song and the title track, Autobiography, somewhat bafflingly, was never a single off the record, but if you want my auto, <clears throat> want my autobiography, then just ask me. 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 Just ask me. me. 
as I said, Pieces of Me was the first single off of her album. It's inspired by Ryan Cabrero, <laughs> perplexingly, and it was co-written and produced with Kara, which is probably why it's such a catchy hit. Shadow is the second single off of her album I that love- was written and produced with John Shanks, and it's all about how she doesn't want to be in Jessica's shadow anymore, how she was sort of second fiddle her whole life, and that her father never paid her as much attention to as Jessica. As they write the song and she performs it sort of like in a montage series for the episode of the show, she starts crying, and that's how they know that it's going to be the second single. And then the third single, final single off of Autobiography is La La. It's also featured as the making the music video and is also sort of featured a little bit on the second season. Do you remember, so post all the lip syncing SNL controversy, she sang La La at a college Oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll get to it. And then I just have one last shout out to Unreachable, which is also about Josh Henderson, and it's probably one of her better songs off of this album. So season two happens in a post-SNL, Milli Vanilli, hoedown, meltdown world. And to the show's credit, especially now considering that most reality shows will drag out a piece of drama that has played out for everybody to see before it was featured on the show. I am now looking at Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. They just get right into it. Like, they don't waste any fucking time at all in the second season. So the first episode, it opens with her moving into a new place with her two friends, and the rehearsals and her also subsequently stressing about her vocal issues while rehearsing for SNL and all, like, the pressure on her to do really well. Because she had had a couple... In season one, there were a couple of misfire live performances where... She didn't quite, let's say that she had two songs that she was going to perform, and she didn't quite nail the first one, but, like, the second one she felt more comfortable, which was the episode where Jessica appears with her laser eye goggles. She kind of fucks up pieces of me and then nails Lala and feels a lot more confident. So it's a lot of, like, she realizes that in the first season she shows that maybe she isn't the best singer, that she has off days or whatever, but I think it does a really good job of essentially... (laughs) laying down some evidence as to why the SNL snafu would and could happen right. to her. The second episode is the incident. It just shows it. And it shows all of the headlines, and they have some interview footage with her and how disappointed she is in herself. And then she also learns that Lala will be the next single and not autobiography. And so it's sort of like a double whammy of letdowns. Like, she fucks up this big performance. She does that hoedown. She gives, like, a weird excuse. that she does. Then she has to double back on the excuse. And then she spends a significant amount of time, even though she has a number one album, defending a shitty performance that she just sort of panicked about. Yeah. Anyway, even though chronologically her birthday happened before the SNL gig, her birthday is the third episode. So they really did just want to get it out and have it be done. Yeah. Some other season two highlights. She shoots the movie Undiscovered, formerly known as Wannabe. Mm. Here is the plot. Pulled directly from Wikipedia, no editorializing. An aspiring New York model, Breer, falls in love at first sight with a struggling musician, Luke, when they cross paths on a subway train. Having achieved some success as a model, she decides to move to L.A. to launch an acting career. She wanted to become a dancer, but it didn't work out. With the support of her agent and sometimes surrogate mom, Carrie, she lands a spot in an acting class where she befriends another would-be actress, Cleo, which is Ashley Simpson. While out on the town, Breer... Crosses paths with Luke once again at a club called The Mint, which is a real place, so I don't know why it's in quotes. The two girls realize that he is actually a good musician. Actually, jeez, that's fucking shady. <laughs> and they decide to help him. They decide to help him and set out to create some sort of LA style hype 
to get him noticed by a record company. His profile rises, so do the demands of his budding new career, and they both discover that the price of fame may be higher than anyone expected. Wow. Yes. That was her movie. I don't. I think it had a really low score on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't write it down, but I saw it and was like, yeah, that tracks what I assumed based on the plot summary that I read. Were there any other, like, good actors in this? Or not good actors, but just notable? Oh, yeah, no, I do not believe so. I was like, these are a bunch of who's up in here. Okay, so it's starring Pell James. I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Oh, Shannon Sossaman. That's the only oh, person yeah. I know. And Carrie Fisher, but I don't know if it's that Carrie Fisher. Is oh, it? it has to be. Oh, my God, it is Carrie Fisher. The late okay. Carrie. The and late, she, great Carrie Fitch, Fisher. She, she doesn't see Shannon Sossaman much anymore. Mm-mm. Wait, Stephen Moyer? Like like the guy from, like, Ricky Gervais's? No. No, no, no. no, no the no, guy no, no, from no. Vamp. I'm sorry. Yes. From the, the married, married to Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin, True Blood. Sorry. Also, Kip Purdue, Stephen Strait, Peter Weller. Fisher, what? Fisher Stevens. That's that's who's in this. Short circuit guy. Mm-hmm. So after Undiscovered, we get to see the other side of the making of the Lala mm-hmm. music video. Mm-hmm. She gets booed at the Orange Bowl. Mm. I remember that. And it ends with her prepping her tour for Autobiography, and it closes out with a montage of the two seasons. And so my bonus is she had a show on E! with her husband, Evan Ross. Yes, that Evan Ross of Diana Ross and Tracy Ellis Ross fame. And it was fucking boring. The Ashley Simpson show was a much better show. I felt like it was a lot more organic. I mean, maybe it's just the nature of getting older where I don't really care about seeing somebody who's married and has kids. I don't know. I really don't know. It was just kind of, it was supposed to sort of be like a follow-up. But because she recorded the album with her husband, maybe that's why it's less interesting. Maybe the songs are not as good, because they're not. I don't know. I, I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't make it through an episode. The only reason I watched even any of it was because it was at the at the tail end of my DVR recording would catch it for very cavalry. Oh, really? Yeah, and then I went back to try and watch the first episode. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not missing anything. I feel like that show's just like Ashley Simpson wears a lot of hats. I don't even... It's like she has a lot of Bengal bracelets. She seems very boho-y. Yeah. Yeah. And then what was that tweet recently about her her telling... Oh, Vince, Michelle Trattenberg. Who went to my middle school. <laughs> uh, so like she said... Um, it was like... I fucked Pete once. like During before. the entire time you guys were dating. Imagine bragging about fucking Pete Wentz, though. But this is also why we need, like, an emo episode so we can talk about Fall Out Boy. We're going to talk about so Fall Out Boy many... slash Fall Out Fuck Boys. <laughs> oh, seriously. I feel like Fall Out Boy, like, I feel like Pete Wentz and Ashley Simpson were, like, the Kurt and Courtney of that scene. Oh, my God. That's, again, being very generous. Very generous. Okay, we're Let's, in the home stretch of these yeah, shows. Yeah. Let's get to Hillary Duff. So, speaking of girls who go blonde, or go from blonde to brunette to be taken more seriously, our girl Hillary Duff, around 2007, had a little mini-series on MTV that was two parts called This Is Now, and it took, apparently, according to Wikipedia, 60 weeks to film, which I don't think that's real, but okay. So, an MTV crew... 60? Yeah, that's what it said on this page. Weeks? I, I, it's probably 16 and someone got it wrong. Or like six. Or six. Days. Essentially, <laughs> so I rewatched this whole thing on YouTube today. Um, this is right, this is the album she releases post-Joel Madden breakup. Um, Joel Madden, what a creep. 
Yeah, because uh, our girl Hillary here is 19. They started dating when she was 16 and he was 25, so that's pretty fucked up. The fuck up. does a 25-year-old have in common with a 16-year-old? Exactly. There is a song on it called Where's Your Dignity? <laughs> the oh. lyrics include... <laughs> Where's your dig? Oh, she wrote, by the way, she wrote most of this album. That's what she wants you to know that this is a, a different album. This People are going to see a different side of her. Just like Ashley Simpson. Of course. So Dye like, your hair brown. Get a reality show. Tell everybody how much you're involved in your different image now. Her lyrics include, where's your dignity? I think you lost it in the Hollywood Hills. Oh, I remember the yes, song. Yes. Yes, and I was wondering if that was a dig at Lindsay Lohan or Nicole Richie. I feel like it's one or the other. Or both. I or mean, both. It could but be. But chronologically, I don't think it's Nicole Richie. No, it could. Well, because, oh yeah, because they started dating later. Way later. Way later, yeah. So, so It was like around that time that she drove uh, on an off-ramp or whatever. Yeah, yeah, because that's around like Sweet Life, or sorry, so, Simple Life. So like 2006-ish? Yeah, yeah. So she wrote this record. She wants all of us to know about that. Um, all the way down to becoming a brunette. She wants to be taken more seriously. She's never done choreographed routines. So, of course, oh, fuck. MTV This Royal- is about to be like Jessica Simpson when she had choreography to perform on Mad TV. And it is another clip I have to show you when we're done. It Cannot is wait. a nightmare. Cannot wait. Why did anybody say that Jessica could dance? So so Hillary isn't doing much choreo here. She's just kind of working with the backup dancers sure. who are choreographed by MTV royalty Fatima Robinson. <gasps> I know. Icon legend. I know. So all of Aaliyah's videos, um, Mary J. Blige, even Hyman listed her skills in that If I Can Change Your Mind video. Because oh, those cute. girls know, they, they pay homage to Yeah, no, no. no. Matters, I, uh, I didn't you know? realize, though, that she was involved in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Save the Last Dance movie, of course. Right. So she's talking about moving away from her pop rock sound as she's literally rehearsing with a rock band and some backup dancers in the background. Some other notable things. Uh, she keeps calling everything so- that this is going to be something unexpected. Sure, Jan, whatever. Ultimately, this is a case of someone being 19 and wanting to be taken more seriously. A few other highlights. There's some weird editing. So during the interview portions, she'll. so this is one of those where they had like the segment and then her interviewing in a confession style, whatever. Oh, okay. And then she'll she'll say something and then it turns into a voiceover while you see her shrug or make a sad face. So she'll say something like, and I felt really sad about that. And then you just see her in slow motion be like. Just like those I, Disney Channel interstitials where you have a fake wand and you're yeah. like, Disney. Did you ever see the yes, clip? I had, yes, of course I did. Okay, yeah. Got so, it sent to me by no less than three people. Okay. <laughs> She's got made fun of by Nico Tortelli about that. I'm like, bitch, please. You, uh, you wish you could. <laughs> Um, okay, some other thing that comes up, she takes a spray, she starts using a spray during her travels that, quote, tastes horrible, but is supposed to help her de-stress, and I'm wondering, was Hillary taking CBD? Yeah, like, I was like, what, I'm like, a nasal spray? No, she's like, putting it in her mouth, and she's just like, uh, and I'm like, original CBD queen. Is that <laughs> CBD? Wow. Who knows? Ahead of her time. I kind of feel bad because she talks about, like, she's she goes to Spain. She's like, I'm so excited to go to Madrid. This is, I've been there many times for press tours, but this is the first time where I really feel like I'll get to explore the city as a tourist. And then she ends the press tour and she has to go to London. She says, quote, well, I got to go to Spain again. Maybe I'll get to see it one of these days. Oh, my God. How deep for a 19-year-old. The final things that I want to mention are, one, that she spends a full minute with her staff in their car in London talking about Equus, because apparently that's when Daniel Radcliffe oh, was the, in Equus, oh, where the, he showed Troll Fox front 
They the talk, dick play. They talk Harry about Harry Potter dick play. Everybody they, knows. They proceed to then talk about how he they allegedly he has an uncircumcised penis, and then they talk about uncircumcised penis. Ooh, I, you know like what? A, a solid minute. And I half. definitely remember that. I was just like, wow. It's like Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> final thing to bring up here um, is that. Uh, well, not only do Hillary and Haley Duff and their friend learn that flour comes in a bag when they take a cooking lesson together, but Alexa Chung interviews her for a British segment when she's in London. Because I forget, like before Alexa Chung was Alexa Chung, she was on just MTV. A, she was just a presenter, um, right. and so she is told during this segment Hillary Duff has to shave. She has to lie. She's in a kebab restaurant at a Lebanese restaurant in London. She gets grossed out because they have a picture menu. What? She's like, she's like, oh, they have a picture menu that bothers me. And then she has to put the raw meat on the on the on the spit, and oh. then and then shave it off when it's cooked. And she later proceeds to say that in an interviewer after cu- cutting the meat from the kebab spit that she would maybe love to own a kebab shop one day. <laughs> oh my god, what a journey! What so, a journey! All in all, I have to say about this. All in all, she lives in New York and is engaged to some dude who's having a feud with Zed. Oh, God. (laughs) Like, all in all, I am happy, though, for Hillary that she transitioned into a pretty decent adult career. She's on that show Younger. She's doing well for herself. She has a couple kids. But in a world where celebrity shows put bad decisions and meltdowns on display, Hillary was a girl gone mild. It was just very vanilla Nothing exciting. She literally turns down a Vanity Fair party because she needs to rehearse and get ready for this European press tour. I do think she's like a genuinely nice person who was raised well and had parents involved. She's just not a good subject for a reality show as a result of it. Because she's not drama and she's not quirky enough like Ashley to carry something for longer than two episodes. No. So because her aspirations are to possibly own a kebab shop one day. It was a very strange post in where I feel like she was trying to be polite after being grossed out during the scene where she's putting sure. raw meat on a spit. But I think she went a little too far. <laughs> anyway, it was a very interesting hour of my life that I'll never get back again. Yay! Yay. <laughs> At least you have to sign up for another streaming service, though. That's true. Thanks, YouTube. All right, I'm going to bring this fucking sucker home with something I... Do not feel passionate about. Mm. Hogan knows best. Mm-hmm. I like to start this by saying, fuck Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I loved Gawker. You're fucking dead to me. On top of all of the other shit that he does. And fuck Peter Thiel. Oh, fuck that dude so hard. Mm-hmm. That dude's a fucking piece of shit. Anyway, fuck Hulk Hogan. That's just like a blanket statement. Hogan knows best, I don't believe, has aged well. I didn't really want to revisit very many clips but even just in refreshing my memory of Hogan Knows Best, I, I just remember him taking a very Joe Simpson-y approach to his daughter, and it made me really uncomfortable. But also, mostly it's the vehicular manslaughter of it all that kind of has a cloud over Hogan Ooh. Knows Best. Also, Hulk Hogan's sex tape, You'll Never Want to Eat Sushi Again. I've seen that. Fucking Linda Hogan, fucking one of her kids' school friends. The Hulk also... Fucking one of his kids' school friends. What the fuck is wrong with you guys? Of course, they live in Florida. (laughs) Florida Florida man. Florida family. (laughs) But we will stand Brooke Hogan. Brooke Hogan is also a legend and an icon in her own right. I have a scene that I want to talk about that I think you'll probably bring up, but if you don't, I'm going to bring it up. Okay, well, you can probably bring it up because I definitely don't have very many highlights. Now? 
Yeah, go ahead. All right. So there's a scene in on the show where she's recording her album. She wants to get a raspy voice quality to her voice. Take my breath away. In order to do this, she proceeds to go outside the studio and start screaming so that she can get her voice to be hoarse enough I to get that raspy-like that. quality. Huh. Thanks for that flashback, Emily. It was... As someone who took voice lessons, like... That's not how you do it? That's not how you fucking do it. <laughs> anyway, Hogan knows best was supposed to be the American version of the Osbournes, and because it's the American version, the Hulk family lives in... Or the Hulk family, excuse me. The Hogan family <laughs> lived in Florida. This regressive show followed the Hulk, attempting to help his kids get their careers off the ground. Brooke, an aspiring pop singer, and signed a $1.3 million deal with Transcontinental Records. Lou Pearlman's record label? Mm-hmm. And ended up touring with Hilary Duff and will eventually sign with fucking Scott Storch's label, which I believe is the end of her record career. Not because of anything that she did, but because Scott Storch is broke. He date she dates Aaron Carter. Oh yeah. Florida, man. It's it all comes back to oh it my being God. Florida. Brooke has a younger brother named Nick who wants to be a wrestler at first but ends up becoming a drift driver for Dodge, which is ironic because he will go on to kill his friend in a high-speed drunk driving accident. He served jail time and his parents were sued by the passenger's family, so whatever, debts have been paid, but that dude's still not doing well. The Hulk was way too involved in Brooke's love life. A lot of it was him being overprotective, him trying to set her up on dates. It just... At the time, maybe felt sweet, like, since, especially since the name Hogan Knows Best is a play on the 50s show. Father Knows Best, I feel like he took it to its, past its logical conclusion and was, like, borderline doing arranged marriage for his quote-unquote Brooktini. Again, he had a real Joe Simpson vibe to him. And There's also like his Donald tiny wife, Trump. Linda, who Ugh. almost adopts a chimpanzee at one point. And also, look... Kind of looks like a leather purse. I mean, she lives in Florida. I cannot stress this fact enough. They are a quintessential Florida family. Yeah. This ran for four seasons, for whatever reason, from July 2005 to, to October 2007. So And was canceled long. after the fifth season was announced due to Hulk and Linda, Linda's divorce and legal issues with Nick's speeding tickets. So a precursor to Nick's mer- vehicular manslaughter was that he had a series of increasingly severe speeding tickets that were threatened to take his license away and all sorts of other shit. So this ended up greenlighting Brooke's spinoff show, Brooke Knows Best, which sometimes featured her parents, her living outside of her house, having to deal with her parents divorcing, and mostly her recording career, but was unfortunately canceled after her brother murdered somebody. And that's Hogan Knows Best, because fuck Hulk Hogan. Fuck that guy. Oh, well wrung out all of these celeb-based MTV shows with the exception of Meet the Barkers and yep. Run's House, which we can cover in a separate episode because no one wants to listen to a two-and-a-half-hour podcast. No. No, especially not one with this kind of subject matter where you need a palate cleanser in between. Especially after Hogan Knows Best. Yes. But this 10th episode marks... The end of our first season. Yeah. Not the end end like forever. This isn't goodbye. It's just see you later. We're going to take a couple weeks off, regroup, get some season two ideas together, which we would like to open up our inbox and DMs. Not like that. 
to suggestions about things that maybe you'd like to see covered. We've gotten a couple of suggestions from our friends, but if there's some sort of topic that you think that we haven't covered or aren't going to cover, and I'm going to go ahead and spoil it right now, our first episode of the second season is all about the Fast and the Furious franchise, so hold that email. But if you would like to tell us what you think about what we should cover next season, you can email us at oldmillennialspod at gmail.com. And then you can find us on Instagram at theoldmillennialspod, which, by the way, will be taking down the old account soon. Great. (laughs) We will come back August 1st with that Fast and the Furious. In the meantime, we have a couple fun mini episodes that are going to drop in a couple of weeks. Uh, definitely will be a recap of the Hills reboot, which is coming back on June 24th. So we'll have something up that week about our thoughts. I personally feel like they have fucking nothing at all. No. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean, Audrina dated Brian Cabrera, so I feel like it's all connected. It really all is. All of this, like, early 2000 shit, is, it's all secular. I, it's a circle of the same people doing the same shit over and over again. I'm ready to diagram it, like to connect everyone together. It's gonna be... maybe that'll be a minisode is where we look at like the Kardashian Jenner. Oh yeah, Kardashian Jenner, Foster, and uh, Hadid. Hadid, that's the other one. Yeah, they're all connected. They're all connected, and they all always loop back to the hills. It's very true. So if you enjoyed this first season of Old Millennials, the best thing that you can do is tell somebody about it. Or leave us a nice review on iTunes. If you don't have anything nice to say, that's totally fine. Please don't write it. And you can leave us just like a rating if you don't want to even write a review because that helps people find our show. And you can also follow us on Twitter separately. We don't have a Twitter account for this podcast because we have an Instagram account for that. So you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Margs, she wrote. And I'm at Emily A. Bajan. And we will see you guys really soon. Have a great summer. Bye. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.